by alone inside. He's got the breakaway with the touch to the right. Go! podcast your minneapolis city soccer club brought to you by summit brewing company deck the halls and kick some balls it's the people's pitch podcast your one and only source of podcasty goodness for all things minneapolis city sc as usual i am nate and i am joined by the grinch to my little nady poo who it's john bizworm john are all of your soccer stockings hung by the chimney with care uh, they are. I but now you have uh, me thinking of a really good merch idea. Some Minneapolis City uh, stockings. Yeah, I'd, I'd hang that. Ideas are born. I, I yeah, they, right here. Exactly, right here. Uh, and where they also go to die. Uh, but no, man. Uh, yeah, the, the season's greetings to everyone. We're we're almost at uh, at Santa's birthday, so I'm really excited. <laughs> uh, it's our last show of a decade, Nate. We've been doing this for an entire decade. Well, we haven't, but the decade has been in existence for a decade. Let me rephrase that. We've been doing this in an entire decade. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going out strong, people. On tap this week, there's a little thing called the U.S. Open Cup. You may have heard of it. They announced their timing for the opening round uh, of the of the proper tournament, and you know that we have some opinions on that. Our winter break college combine is happening right now. It began last week, so we have the scoop on that. Or Nate will ask me some questions I can hardly answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and soccer is a gift, people, and we'll appreciate the greatest gift it's it's giving us this. It's given us this year. Sorry, Nate. I think it's enough time for small talk. We're recording now, pretty late at night, and uh, you have a baby to get to, and some other kids to drive to school, and I have two kids to. Hopefully not one to drown in the morning because they've been crazy lately. Anyways, let's get this, let's talk about some soccer. It's got dark. All right. Yeah. So the shadowy the shadowy cabal that is the uh, USSF dropped some controversial news last week, John, um, which is very out of character, I know. Um, but really, this news has lower league soccer buzzing. The federation announced that the competition would begin quite early this year, the week of March twenty fourth, twenty fifth of 2020 and there are of course a number of implications to that announcement none of them particularly positive for uh for lower league soccer first of all uh, it means no college players for the two lower leagues who depend on them though that would be the npsl and the usl2 and that is because according to ncaa rules and you're familiar with this through your mm-hmm. talkings uh your speakings to all the coaches around the country uh, college soccer players are not allowed to compete outside of their academic commitments prior to May 1st. And for reference, if you want to think about how this would have worked out last year, the first round of 2019's U.S. Open Cup kicked off on May 7th. So in 2020, the first three rounds of that tournament, of this tournament is going to take place before that May 1st deadline, making this announcement a huge middle finger to any club who relies on that college talent to compete. This ruling obviously hits home for folks at our level, as you noted, and it's quite sad, if I'm being honest, 
because you know we've talked about the open cup up and down on this show the the cup was built on the backs of amateurs and this takes it straight away from them but when you when you look at the excitement of the cup in the modern age and when i, I what i mean by the modern age is uh post mls so kind of go uh 94 the greek americans beat the bavarians in the final and that was the last all amateur final and then uh the last amateur winner as uh some, uh, I believe, uh, rich, the Richmond kickers uh, won the next year after that. So uh, a professional side then won. But the excitement of the cup in the, uh, before the modern age came from the fact that you had these underdogs. And, and it it's, it's, has the rumblings of it in the lower rounds of the tournament and in the qualifying qualifying portion of it. Or you had a side of like some ragtag pub myth, misfits that kind of caught a heater and upset those that they shouldn't have even been competing with. And it also gives younger players or, you know, some of the regular guys with day jobs that, that still have skills, a chance to showcase in a high profile setting for pro sides. But now the emphasis is really will be on what usually feels like an unattended regular season match for some of these top level teams yeah. um, instead of like the, the frenzy that each game in this competition used to be. So, they, you know, look at the first three rounds after the amateurs get knocked out and, and you can't even give tickets away for those games because it, they're usually midweek and people don't care. They, they care about like the semifinal and the final. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and we'll come back to that in a second because I think that's important to note that. Uh, ticket sales for the MLS teams in the U.S. Open Cup is, have historically been not great. Uh, you can watch no. it on TV, watch it on ESPN Plus, and see the empty seats in the stands. Speaking of ESPN Plus, you know, part of this that was handed down uh, probably overshadowed a little bit by this decision was the fact that ESPN Plus will be involving itself in the lower round games, which I think is a positive, right? That's very and, cool. But here's the thing. That is like a huge major positive. So you're going to get, you know, some serious broadcast of these lower division games, a lot of exposure for these people, but no one is going to be able to play in them. So, <laughs> you know, like it was like, hey, we have this great idea and we we trialed it last year and it worked out well. And, you know, you had 12 men flying all over the country watching lower level games, um, not as low as our level, but some of the lower level games. Um, and then that they're like, Oh, we're going to roll it out even lower this year. We're like, yes, that's cool. And then they're like, but we're going to cut out all the teams that you might actually have fun watching and could use the revenue. And here we are. Yeah. <laughs> well, the U S open cup news site, uh, the cup.us reported that a spokes troll for the USSF said that uh, quote home teams. He, they didn't, they didn't quote them as a spokes troll. That's my, <laughs> <laughs> That's my label. But they said, quote, home teams will now have more time to promote and sell tickets. Funny thing, that that's the first thing they mentioned, right? Because nobody's buying funny. these tickets. So really, it's yeah. like that that's their that's their solve. Well, if if you had more than a week to sell tickets, maybe people would show up. I doubt it. Um, they also say that visiting teams would be able to arrange travel earlier with more flexibility at a lower cost. And that's probably true. Um, while those handling the broadcast production a.k.a. ESPN, will be able to make arrangements with, with a more manageable timeline. And that The committee feels that the scheduling is necessary to drive increased interest in the tournament, which is bullshit, and help maximize sales for all involved, which is probably the number one reason, and ultimately build a more credible competition, blah, blah, blah. But I think, for me, the key there is ESPN Plus wanted longer timelines so that they could get their people to the games. 
that it definitely maximizes revenue for the clubs that would host these host these games, which, mm-hmm. as we know, will be MLS clubs because they're entering in earlier and earlier into the tournament. John, are you of the belief that if a club can't operate without college players, it has no business participating in this tournament anyway? Or are you on the side of those that say this is just another example of the USSF protecting their marketing machine from the potential embarrassment of a lower league upset? I think I fall right in between your two thoughts. Obviously, I feel this is another attempt by the USSF to further fracture something that was really not broken before they got involved in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you follow the original format, and and it, it looks like a half-hearted attempt to fix something, um, you know, some of these major cup issues in the recent years. But I also feel that if you're not able to put a competitive side together with the best available players that you have at your disposal and not embarrass yourself, then no, you should totally decline. And it reduces all of the headaches that it takes and it causes clubs to get players prepared, find funding for travel, get guys off work, et cetera, that we're, 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 we're well-versed in. Mm-hmm. And look, I've complained at length about how crappy this has been and how crappy we've been treated in the past in this competition. And, and it's, it, so my comments are no shock, but I have seen how hard it it is to make this work when the chips are against you and it's really not worth the pain. So teams bowing out, you know, yeah, it sucks, but I think people just need to accept it that this, it, that, you know, when it isn't for you and move on to things like fielding competitive sides to win your league. You know, it, I mean, that's the true purpose of what we do, right? Like our yeah. true purpose is not, competing in the US Open Cup. Absolutely. If it if it was, we would we would house a bunch of, you know, former pros and we'd make a run at it, right? You know, we wouldn't be trying to get amateur guys off their day jobs for a Friday so we can make a Saturday game somewhere, you know, God knows where they're going to send us, at, oh. you know, in the cup. So, but, you know, what I was thinking Nate is, if ESPN Plus is coming into these lower rounds and say we do get in. Yeah. Are they going to bring in a broadcast team or are Nordo and I going to be able to make our ESPN debut? I thought the same thing. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, there's no way they're going to have people on staff to go to all these lower league teams that have any knowledge of what's going on on the field. Like they're going to need to rely on local outlets and some places like, you know, Duluth, they get local coverage. Sioux Falls, when they were in existence, got local coverage, right? We don't really get the local news coverage. I don't think I don't think Maxi or Perk knows Minneapolis City from, you know, a bag of monkey assholes. So, th- of course, the the logical choice would be you and Nordo. Unless they're going to go with, like, Kendra and uh, what's his name? <laughs> oh god Cal, 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 you know uh but hey you never know I, I if you're listening espn i'm more than happy to to make this work for you i think that'd be great personally john i am uh when it comes to is this ussf protecting their marketing machine or is this um just a case of clubs shouldn't participate if they can't hack it like i'm i'm column a column b just like you like on one hand i can see this pragmatism uh, in someone like our guy Sonny D'Alessandro from Tulsa, he argues that the USL two teams, who, by the way, have to use college players, shouldn't be competing anyway because those teams wouldn't be able to win. Like, if you don't start something, you can't finish is basically what he's saying. Right. Um, all their players are back at school for the fall when the final rounds occur, so blah. But that doesn't really change the fact that this really is a move 
that benefits MLS and USL squads at the expense of amateur teams. The travel excuse, I think, is just a shiny object to distract from the real reason, which is maximizing sales and ticket revenue for these teams. I, I mean, I touched on it briefly when, when you asked me the question, but I, I totally agree with Sonny. But, but out of the other side of my mouth, I'll say that this is an open competition where almost any team that meets the qualifications can enter a team and play. So we should keep it that way. And if people want to respectfully decline a bid, it, you know, it should be the next man up type scenario and, and letting those that want to dive in the deep end do so. Yeah. I'm interested to see the fallout from, from this because clubs are making the hard choice even as late as today whether or not to participate. Uh, you've got Reading. You've got the Brooklyn Italians announced today that they're not participating. Flint, uh, Detroit City announced today that they're not participating. And that is all to the potential benefit of a team like Minneapolis City. Well, obviously, you know, we did not put ourselves in a good position by losing to Detroit last summer and, and having to, to be set on the waiting list to, to get in. Um, and with recent news, it looks like, you know, we're kind of climbing up the list of teams that get, get an invite and mm -hmm. potentially we, we, we get that invite. But, you know, if we do, we'll have to make the decision like everyone else and see if it's really worth it or, or fall in line and, and, you know, just get, <laughs> get ready to go and, um, or, you know, just say thanks, but no thanks respectfully and, and focus on what, what truly is important to us, Nate. Well, we'll see, man. More news to come, I am sure. By the end of the year, probably, right? Probably like tomorrow. Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so last week we kicked off the second phase of our trial process with uh, phase two of, of three of our trial process with uh, uh, our first of four sessions that will take, uh, you know, take a brief break for the holidays, but we'll quickly pick up again mid by uh, an ending in mid-January when school the school boys go back. But being that I am the one who populates these trials, I can say that this year's crop, Nate, of players is totally loaded with talent options. Uh, and, and I say that knowing that sadly we'll have to say no to some talented folks. Uh, but on the other hand, there are some really exciting players that we'll get to announce when we boot up our rosters uh, in, in a few months. So in all, we have about 50 players that we invited to participate in these four sessions. And that's a mix of about 30 to 35 college players that kind of span from division one through three uh, NAIA and with the remainder of the players being your typical veteran type guys that have either made their way across other teams in our area at this level or have moved to the twin cities and, and they, they now fill our requirements of being from the state of Minnesota. Yeah. And this is a very, this is a different process than we have publicized as the, uh, it's not an open tryout, right? It's not something that we're just putting right. a call out on Twitter and guys pay their 75 bucks or whatever for basically for turf fees and, or dome fees or whatever. And, uh, and come out and put on a penny. It's like, can you, we, we really haven't dug into your, the college combine process. Most people might not know how it works. Can you give us a look into how you identify and ultimately get, guys to show up to these sessions because it is invite only right right it totally invite only so it usually starts out late summer uh almost right around when we end and the players start to report to their college camps um i basically take a look at the long running list of players that we've identified over the past kind of two or three years some players i'll look at from about four years ago uh when they were freshmen and came in and, and see where they're at um 
uh, <clears throat> or some guys that maybe have moved back here and just, or guys that just weren't in our age category range. Um, you know, maybe they were a little too young. Um, and, and we didn't feel they were ready the first time they came in. And once I look at that, I scour the web, um, for truly at almost every NCAA division one through three roster to see who is from Minnesota that I may have missed. And then from that, I build out my calendar of when their games start so I can start to get eyes on players. So that's kind of step one, Nate. Uh, the second step is for, for schools where I already have a relationship with a coach or, you know, the coaching staff, it's, it's much easier because I'm already aware of the guys to look at because they've told me, um, but it, it's always good to start the conversation with coaches early in the preseason. So we can, we can start to build that relationship through the fall with them and hopefully get on their radar as a, as a trusted home for their guys in the summer. And, and for the coaches, I, I don't know, that's where the intros start to be had. And then I, I let things kind of sit, you know, periodically check, checking in, getting in their, their, their text messages, mm-hmm. um, you know, to mention, you know, some of the guys and, you know, how they're playing and, and, and really just kind of keep the dialogue open. And then finally, as, as their seasons are winding down, that's when I really shine, Nate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I meet with the coaches, uh, w- you know, our coaches with a, a, a list that takes about two or three hours to sift through. Um, and I provided, you know, input on each player updates, um, you know, of the, all the guys that I've watched. And then we start to shape out our potential needs and, and what they might be for the upcoming season based off of the people we want to bring back in on the roster. And we reduce the number to about 50. And, and then that's where I begin to start having conversations again with the coaches. And and I do that in, in, uh, in this, this fashion so that I'm getting the, the coaches, the college coaches permission to speak to their players. Um, I think some organizations go about a little bit differently obviously than we do where they might go direct to a player um, or a player might reach out to them we do have some of that but even when that instance happens i'm still going to the college coach to have a conversation to talk about the fact that we have tco as a sponsor and if a guy gets injured we're, we're not going to rush him back to the field and get them comfortable with understanding who we are before they're they they just let me loose to talk to their players once they do let me loose, then I have the individual one-on-one conversation with the player. I, I kind of explain all of our expectations, the trial process, and then kind of how we handle things during the season so that they can, you know, get interested or, you know, some players decline because they're going elsewhere or their college coach wants them to play at, say, the USL2 level. You know, all that's fine and well, but uh, then I just move on to the the next guys on our list. Yeah, and those, uh, you know, those, co- those coach conversations also probably serve as a – a nice relationship building tool because sometimes these college programs can become pipelines, right? You get one guy one year from St. Paul central in your program. And maybe the next year you have two guys that he played with, uh, you know, and then all of a sudden you're Mm -hmm. looking at that program heavily more and more every year. And Hey, now we've got constantly guys that are at X university that also you have a relationship with to maybe bring them into city trials. So that's pretty cool. Sounds like a lot of work, John. Like how, uh, how, how big, how big is your staff? <laughs> it's me, Nate. It's just, it's just me. Um, however, um, some news will be coming out that, uh, a, a former city player is now, uh, is going to be joining me on, uh, on kind of the player evaluation staff. I that's so, uh, I, I won't, I won't, uh, break any, uh, any news here, but, uh, if you, if you follow us on our social channels, it'll be announced pre- relatively soon. Um, that someone's going to be stepping in and helping me. And I think everyone will be excited about it. So John one beyond a better, um, you know, better tournament seed. One thing that 
the announcement of uh, you know the U.S. Open Cup starting in at the end of March will pot- potentially affect for Minneapolis City is the look of the roster going into the spring, right? Do these college trials take on a different kind of objective, knowing that we also have a team that we need to build starting uh, March 24th? I mean, not totally, but in some aspects, it most cert- they most certainly do. For guys that are, that are aging out of soccer in college, they no longer have spring obligations with their schools. So given the fact that we may play an early few games if we if we do get entered into the open cup we have the ability to perhaps include some of those guys that may be on the um you know that may be um at our disposal but also some kind of bubble players mm-hmm. um that might not be on our radar yet for the summer but they have the ability to join us for the open cup so give some guys you know that that have talent that are in town a chance to be selected within the club and showcase what they have i mean look in the past for our open cup rosters you had Guys like Charlie Adams, you know, yeah. guys like Miles Norville, uh, Miles Stockman Willis, you know, Nick Hutton, guys that 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 use that as their stepping stone into a roster spot for the summer. So yes, you know, we're thinking about the Cup roster as we go through these these winter combine sessions. But I would say that there's probably about ten players that I, I, I could identify on the top of my head that would fall into th- this category of being able to still be in school, but aged out of soccer. So if you're that, a senior uh, that, and you're yeah. not going to play again, it doesn't really matter if you start <clears throat> playing before your May 1st deadline. Yes. Because you don't have any soccer obligations because you're out of eligibility. Gotcha. That's so, I mean, there are some guys that are seniors that still have a year of eligibility left, but the colleges that we're working with in this area that would, we could pull from uh, with guys in this category none of those guys are are uh taking a year of grad school to go play at uh a division one school so um they're they're aging out and they're and they're ready to go how do college players fit in now as you plan to build a roster that's going to compete all the way from the end of march through the end of july well being the the, uh do jill being the due diligent NCAA compliant person that I am, Nate, the rules dictate that, um, the, like you know, you noted in your open cup stuff, that they're not allowed to have a, additional contact with any other team during their spring season. So because of that, we we boot up before um, any other team in our conference, really, and in some cases the country. We do train in that time frame um, without the college players until. Um, we, we train with them after the combine until their spring season starts. And then they step away for a brief period, hit, hit pause for a bit uh, while we continue to train with the eligible players in town or close to town that can attend like the ones I just mentioned that are maybe still in school. And then at the end of spring, when they can come back, they, they start to trickle in and then we quickly transition into the full season schedule. All right. We'll keep, uh, I guess everyone needs to keep their, uh, their eyes on our social media eyes on the website as we will keep them posted on kind of how this roster is really going to look because it's going to get nuts. It's going to look like nothing we've ever seen from a Minneapolis city roster uh, to date. Is that a fair assumption, John? I would say rosters because of the fact that we have the UPSL team now, um, some guys who may have, have fallen into the camp of, um, you know, being promoted into the MPSL setup may now stay at the UPSL level because of the fact that 
we need to have some veteran presence on that team. So yeah, I think things, the makeup is going to be a little bit different, you know, and some guys have left us, um, you know, we'll, we'll make those announcements when, once we talk about our rosters, uh, once they're, they're tentatively set, but yeah, I think that, you know, there'll be a, a healthy dose of new names, uh, some, some not so new names, but maybe new to some folks coming from our, our, uh, former U23 team, and then some familiar faces that everyone loves to see, like Charlie Adams' sweet haircut, you know? (laughs) (laughs) All right. I look forward to it, man. We always say, John, you and I, that soccer is a gift. And what better time than Christmas time, Hanukkah, Yule, or Solstice to reflect on our favorite gifts that soccer has given us this last year. John, you start us off. What is your favorite gift on the field, off the field, whatever you want to talk about that Minneapolis city has given you in 2019. Okay. Well, I I had to think hard about this, Nate, to not cover a lot of things that we've, we've talked about when we did our year end review. And I think we're looking for fresh content here, man. uh, Yeah, absolutely. Give people what they want. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think I like to start off with the gift of mutual respect. And you might say, what is that, John? And I'll say, I'll say great question, Nate. Well, it was the the final reaction from our trip to Detroit this summer. As most of you who listen know, we lost uh, 2-0 to a, a full-strength Detroit City FC team um, in a well-sought-after, uh, what I what I, I heard dubbed the Hipster Derby, <laughs> <laughs> um, that saw us only be able to, to travel with 13 players, including one that had not touched a ball since the winter, and the other who played for a different team all summer, uh, and by the stroke of luck was free that weekend. So um, that that prompted me to, you know, after looking around during halftime, to say to Dan that I actually counted and they had more ball kids than we had players. So um, <laughs> uh, we had heard on the show and in the soccer world, you know, in, on the show we, we interviewed Fletcher before the uh, – the, the the playoffs on on how the northern guard kind of treats opposing teams how they intimidate them how they they truly have you know formed a home field advantage when people come in in to play them at hammer track and we we didn't back down even you know being fully behind the proverbial eight ball on the day with our, both our outside backs being grounded at msp due to weather mm-hmm. um and the outcome was a was a tip of the cap to the group that we brought and the, and the respect that we gave the home fans, thanking them for a, a fun day of soccer, which is very Minnesota nice of us, um, and something that went a long way in creating a, a really good relationship with a team that we would absolutely like to, to play against as they climb up the soccer ranks. Um, <clears throat> and also on the day, uh, I think uh, an added bonus was hearing Nick Hutton, who was absolutely terrorizing their two center backs all, all game, <laughs> Uh, who, who these two center backs will definitely go on to have great pro careers at some level. Uh, but during the run of play, having Nick Hutton say to them, Hey, isn't this awesome, man? What's your name? I'm Nick. I sell software. What do you, what do you do? Just play soccer or like something cooler? <laughs> so I'll never forget uh, just the look on the guy's face and, and how hard Dan and I laugh on the touchline when we heard that. <laughs> just at this, it's so innocent, but at the same time, like a total fuck you. Like, right. Like, I, hey, I took off work and I, I took off work today so I could play in this. I, I sell software. What do you do? For a living, I'm, I'm just fast. <laughs> so oh, you play like a total Sandlot thing. 
Oh, you played in the Big East. Oh, I ran track. (laughs) (laughs) That is cool. I think that's an interesting take, John, that uh, the gift of mutual respect, because I think a lot of people don't like us, Nate. Yeah, well, there's that. But I think that also, like, if you want to talk about the high bar or the highest echelons of amateur soccer, I think Detroit City is there, right? Like, if (laughs) if you're a fan of amateur soccer, at least you recognize that Detroit City is... A staple. They're like the they're pinnacle, yeah. right? And yep. for for their fans and for their organization, um, and for their even their on air talent to cover us so and to talk about us so positively, like it feels good to be invited into the club. You know what I mean? <laughs> like we've always kind of been in the conversation as these young asshole upstarts from mm-hmm. Minnesota mm-hmm. that have just something to prove and whatever. But it's cool to be um, it's cool to have that respect. So that's an interesting take. I hadn't thought about it. Speaking of their on-air talent, I I loved I loved it when I went back and watched the game again. <laughs> when they would they would say something about our guy, and then they would immediately say something about their guy. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it like I'll give a great example, and and no slight to this player, but they were like talking about Matt Mirakami being like a like a academic all region at Gustavus in Division Three, and then they're like, but our guy is was the leading goal scorer in the big 10 at Michigan state last year and has had pro trials at like all these places. And they'll be like, but this guy went to, he, he's, he's smart. He went to, <laughs> you know, he went to a good college or they'd be like, we don't really have a whole lot of Nick Hutton. Um, you know, but then they're like, but you know, our center back went to Florida state. And uh, <laughs> so I thought that's another interesting anecdote from that day. I like it. Um, so on the field, even though my, my first thought kind of covered both both sides, um, I, I look at the fact that we selected two players from the open trial process that were, were not only fan favorites and embodied everything that we want in a member of our club, you know, once they were selected. But mm-hmm. due to injuries this summer, these guys took the opportunity to become 90-plus minute players for us you know, game in and came out for almost the entire season. And that that's the addition of Zuhir Alabasi and Jonah Garcia. I think Jonah is just, he's just a great guy. And his performance all season put him in the conversation before he was rightfully boned by not making all conference or all region because he really did deserve it um, with his play. And and with Zuhir, you know, he, he seems to have kind of finally found a soccer home that really fits him. And, you know, he's able to bring his experience playing at this level with, you know, with other teams like, uh, like VSLT and, and uh, the, the uh, Dakota fusion um, and, and bring that along into our club with this desire to learn the game, um, you know, from our coaching staff, from the other players and be part of something bigger than just a soccer team. Mm-hmm. And, and his, and his skill sets on the field, I think was something that we really need and, and we find success in being that he's a defender that's kind of willing to, to completely bomb forward into an attack and has the ability to, to perform in the attack and really pin a defense back. So I, I guess from an on the field perspective, I'm super happy that um, both of them are with us unless something totally falls apart or they, uh, they get a chance to impress at a higher level, you know, hopefully they'll be back in 2020. Yeah. I mean, I think we'll talk about a little bit about this uh, in a second here, as far as mine, uh, my on the pitch gift, but I think that these guys both stepped up in a really big way. And I remember when Zuhir first, specifically when Zuhir first joined that you had, you had made a comment that like, He's never really been coached. Right. Like he, he never came up to Dakota and he just played and he was good. And that was about it. That was as good as Dakota could get out of him. Right. Like they had no business telling him 
how to improve. Right. Or like, or they had him playing centrally and that's just not where he plays. It's not where he's best suited. And he, no one had ever put him in a position like outside back in a system like ours. And and he, and he shined. And look at him now. So I'm super happy to have him. I think it's awesome. Uh, For me off the pitch, I got to say that um, the love, the club and the community continues to show for everyone involved is, is something that is a, a gift both to me, but also that I, I can witness out, out there in, in the world. I think Dan said it best. I read the protagonist soccer profile that they did on us today. Mm-hmm. And Dan said it best that this, uh, specifically the outpouring of support for Goose is the best example of this. When you talk about the community getting together and raising, you know, something like $14,000 for this kid, um, constantly messaging him, reading his, reading his blog posts, being there with him, being there for him is really something that, just doesn't happen in in the world that often you know and especially just for you know for a, an amateur soccer team right for the community to get behind him like that is awesome and i think all of us that work for the club have felt something like that 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 measure of support even in the tiniest of moments i mean even with people tweeting at me you know during the game that they about the songs or people tweeting at us or emailing us about the podcast and how they love listening to it in england like stuff like that is like that's really cool and that feels like it, uh-huh. it's cool to feel supported by such a great soccer community and i think the fact that minneapolis city has created and continues to develop that community is really a gift for everyone involved i think you know to be fully transparent you know love us or hate us we have people on both sides of both those camps mm-hmm. um <clears throat> We we set out with a mission for the for what we're, what we're, what we were gonna do. And if you if you love us, you love us because of that mission. And if you hate us, you you hate us for a different reason or for the fact that we are we're we're sticking true to our mission and we're unapologetic about it. And I think you're absolutely right in uh, in in your comment about you know the support that that we were able to kick up for goose and his family after his, his terrible injury is a perfect example of it. You know, you can hate us for all you, all, all, for any other reason you want, but when it comes down to putting our money where our mouth is to support the game and people connected to the game, we, we go all in on it because it's important to us. And I, I think that, that, that if I wouldn't have, have uh, picked my, uh, my Detroit city portion of, uh, of your, uh, your question about, <laughs> what I'm thankful for this year, what, what I wanted to point out. This was a, a very close second. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, for, uh, on the pitch for me, I think the, the gift is the success of the youth and the new players and the peace of mind that it gives me as a supporter who hates to lose to asshole teams. Uh, <laughs> That's any supporter. <laughs> in, in 2019, like our first generation players, it's the first year that our first generation players have started to show their age, right? We saw less of Trey. We saw less of Wexler, Martin Brown, Whitney Brown, guys like, um, you know, guys like that. And even when we had some of our younger guys get felled with injuries, like Max Kent out for most of the year, guys like Eli and Aiden and Zuhir and Nick Hutton and Jonah, they've all shown that the kids are all right. And we can put our faith in the new players that have been chosen to play for this team and they can be the pieces that this team needs to keep winning. And I think that's something that for a while there in the middle of the season, as we saw this shift to the new, the new talent 
and we saw the, the you know some U twenty three call ups and, and things like that. Like you get nervous. Like are they going right. to be able to perform in big games? You know, losing to Med City in the final game, things like that. Um, you get worried about stuff like that. But in the end, it all works out, and uh, the formula is a successful one. I think it's. I think you make a really great point here. Um, <clears throat> There, there is no, there's no person out there who thinks that that you can continue to be successful with the same group of people, whether it be off the field or on the field, um, on the field in your example, uh, forever, because you just can't. It, it's a sport, and you you need to get younger. You need to um, bring in the next wave at some point, and. For us, when we we got past year two, there was a, a a topic of conversation that we had with kind of the club leadership on what are we going to do when that happens? You know, are we going to be okay with maybe a mediocre season or two until we get these because of our our whole mission to have local players? The well's going to dry up at some point. Um, what we found is that the well isn't going to dry up. We constantly have really good talent in this area, but on the on the flip side of that, you have to then, you know, age out players that were the reason why we're here. Yeah. And that has to be done delicately because everyone that plays a sport is competitive and they they don't want to be told that it's maybe not their time anymore and then and, and, and move away. So I think that it's, it's a really good step in the right direction for us as a club. Now that we're here to see that, you know, the kids are all right and we are in good hands. And, and some of these guys that may be aging out are, are still going to be involved in the club at some level because they, they, they love being here and they can be moved into the legend category and, and then be okay with that. And I think it's a, it's a really good point that you make. All right. Well, those are the gifts, man. Yeah, gifts wrapped up with a bow. Mm -hmm. So that's all for tonight. Thank you, as always, to our show sponsor, Summit Brewing Company. Winter is here, and it is holiday season. And with holiday season comes summer winter ale. It helps you take, uh, take you know, winter and in-laws and screaming kids right in the face with a smile. Get some at your local liquor store or your watering hole in your local community today. Summit more meaningful brew since 1986. If giving back to the community means a lot to you, maybe it's time to give to the club that gives back. The The year's ending soon. So Minneapolis City is a 501c3 that provides a safe, reliable, and fun environment for young people to play the beautiful game. Look for us uh, all summer hosting play events and in partnerships with community centers uh, around the city and consider a tax deductible donation to a truly city focused organization. Hey, it's never a bad time to become a Minneapolis city member for less than a price of two tanks of gas. <laughs> I love that line. $65 uh, gets you support of the club and some really cool stuff in return. You get an exclusive membership scarf every year, a membership card that gets you 10% off at the club shop and deals on summit at our official game day bar Palmer's. Plus you get a vote on important club matters, including selecting the membership board and choosing the scarf and kit designs. Visit MPLSCitySC.com and make it happen today. Give it as a gift over the over the holidays. Nothing better than opening up a set of season tickets to Minneapolis City. It's just like a plastic card, but yes. I mean, nothing like it. <laughs> <laughs> Outside of your credit card that can purchase things for you, it's the second best plastic card that's out there. 
<laughs> do you have anything you want us to cover in the offseason? Any hard-hitting exposés you've been hoping we'd undertake? Uh, we still have not gotten any, so send us some. It's easy. Hit us up on Twitter, at The People's Pitch, or through email, mcscpodcast at gmail.com. All questions, comments, and concerns are welcome. And finally, as always, you can hit up the club to complain at MPLSCitySC. That's all for the show and this year. We'll be back in 2020 with more wonderful Minneapolis City goodness. But until then, please do enjoy a safe time over the holiday season with your friends and family, really just anyone. I'm John, that is Nate, and we will see you next year. You got hoofed. Burning maple weeds, cradle major keys. Thinking back, I've been major since the minor league. So supreme, too much sauce off my olive NMDs. I could staple steeds, bend the gold so I get the cheese. Never fall, rake them leaves and make sure every moment gets seized. And everything I see is making.